Khalil Mack, Patrick Mahomes, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, front runners for NFL League MVP to this point. Ryan Fitzpatrick? It's the cipher, y'all. Without being prisoner of the moment, if I'm keeping it 100, Chiefs second year quarterback Patrick Mahomes has been lighting up the league. He's got 10 touchdowns in two games. Now, to be fair, if you're a young quarterback, even a veteran quarterback, to have a talent like Tyreek Hill as a vertical threat, to have the second best tight end in all the NFL and Travis Kelsey, and then to have Kareem Hunt, one of the best five backs in the football You've got the talent. You've got the weapons around you, along with one of the better offensive lines in football. But here's the key. He's playing under Andy Reid. Andy Reid's designs and his concept of of offense is something that many coaches, including the guy who just won the Super Bowl, Doug Peterson, has adopted. Andy Reid is a quarterback's best friend. He puts you in the best situations, the way that he opens up the field, the weapons that he deploys and the sets that he puts you in is favorable to any quarterback with talent. Matter of fact, it's favorable to favorable to quarterbacks who aren't that gifted. Alex Smith, rock solid, very good quarterback, solid player. But that's what he is. That's his ceiling. Alex Smith will always be solid. I would call Alex Smith a game manager who can make plays at times. But in the bigger picture, he's not the kind of guy that can bring you from behind and win a football game. He's not that guy. When I look at Mahomes, you're talking about a guy that's six foot three. He's really more like a bigger, more physically gifted version of Russell Wilson. The guy can throw the ball in the air 70 yards. He's that gifted. But off of two games, I'm not going to already write him off as a Hall of Famer. What I am going to say is he has the potential. He has the talent. And with Reed's schemes, he's going to have the opportunity to put up crazy numbers. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to be Hall of Famer. But I think talent-wise and production-wise, he's going to put up some crazy numbers in this league. The second best player... Or you could say the second guy out of the three who's in the MVP talks is more like a resurrection story. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick, the guy who's been on seven different teams, a.k.a. we call him Chris Kringle. Fitzpatrick is the perfect example of a guy who runs hot and cold. When he's really, really good, he looks like a top five quarterback. And when he's really, really bad, he looks like he shouldn't even be in the league. With him, it's never about his talent or his arm strength. With him, it's always been about consistency. But right now, after two games, we're talking about a guy with eight touchdowns versus one pick and over 800 yards passing, completing just under 80% of his passes. Now, I don't think this is sustainable, but with Mike Evans, with Jackson on the outside, and more exciting play calling more open they've opened up the playbook and maybe it's because he can recognize coverages better than Jameis can but right now 
with the deep threats that he has, with the play calling that Tampa's doing, I say you keep Jameis on the bench as long as Fitzpatrick is putting up these types of numbers. I hope he can sustain this. It'd be a great story for the league. It'd be a great story for fans. It's just fun in general. Right now, the two most entertaining teams to watch, and there's no question the two most entertaining teams to watch outside of the Saints who are 1-1 one one, are the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I know the Rams are 2-0 and and they're favored to win the NFC and they are talented, but I don't know if they put up the numbers in terms of firepower across the board. The Rams don't really have the tight end that the Chiefs have. Of course, Gurley is a great back. He might be the best back in all of football. I think the Chiefs have more overall offensive firepower. The same could be said with Tampa Bay. Maybe they don't run the ball as well, but with those two vertical threats on the outside, with the kind of play calling they're doing, Tampa Bay, at worst, is going to be a fun team to watch with Fitzpatrick playing at this level. Switch it over to another, let's call it, resurrection story. So Josh Gordon is done. He's being traded. He's done with the Browns. He's been traded to the Patriots. Josh Gordon, let's put it out there. Everybody knows about his talent. They know his potential to be a number one receiver. But here's the thing. Josh Gordon had a solid rookie season in 2012. 50 receptions for over 800 yards. Then he followed that up in 2013 with his breakout year. 87 t- catches, over 1,600 yards receiving with nine touchdowns. That was 2013. He hasn't done anything impactful on the field in five years. I'm not saying he can't still put up numbers or be a productive player. What I'm questioning, I guess what I'm questioning is the idea that he's still a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. There's no way to know that. But I will say this. If you play for the Patriots, the winningest franchise over the last decade by far, if you play with the Patriots, a team and a franchise that keeps everything close to the vest, that has a culture, if you can't be productive, if you can't put up numbers with Tom Brady as your quarterback, that's a you problem. So to me, we'll find out really, really soon what Josh Gordon really has left. He's only 27 years old. But again, going back to 2013 was the last time he was really impactful on the field in terms of playing in a complete season. I hope for his sake and for the league, ultimately you want this is good for the league. I hope that Josh Gordon can turn his career around, turn his life around with the Patriots, with this organization. I'd love to see Josh Gordon turn around and put together five or six productive seasons. We'll see. This story is ongoing, but I wouldn't say it's a lock. His history says he's still living off potential and not actual production. But if you want to know why the Patriots are willing to spend a fifth round pick on him, here's some numbers. He still has the NFL record for most consecutive 200 plus yards receiving. He had 237 and then followed that up with 261 in 2013. He's got the most receiving yards in a two game span 
with those games. He's got the most receiving yards in a three-game span, over 649 yards. Again, that was in 2013. He's living off of the past. We can see his talent. You can see his size, his speed, the potential of what he could be. If Tom Brady can't bring it out in him, this is probably going to be Josh Gordon's last chance. Two weeks into the season, what stands out to me, outside of the fact that the Rams, the Buccaneers, and the Chiefs look great, the Steelers look awful, and they seem to be a team that's fractured, the Giants look really bad. Matter of fact, between the Seahawks and the Giants, toss-up for who's the worst team in football. And remember this, you can have all the talent at the skilled positions, but if your offensive line is garbage, your offense is garbage. Ask Eli, ask Russell Wilson. Although in Russell Wilson's case, he doesn't have anything on the outside, and they have no run game and not really any gifted skills players. Russell Wilson is a man on an island. If I was him, and I know it doesn't seem to be his, his mentality or his personality, I'd want out. In NBA news, Jimmy Butler is going to meet with Tibbs and Timberwolves officials to discuss his future. All right, there's no secret here. Real quick. Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns don't get along. There's a lack of chemistry personality-wise, and there's a lack of chemistry if you watch the Timberwolves on the floor. For me, it's real simple. It's not going to work, and one of them is going to have to go. And as much as I, I like Jimmy Butler, and I think he's a pro, and I admire the way he's turned himself into an all-star caliber player, I'm not trading Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not giving away a guy who's 23 years old and already averaging 23 points and 12 rebounds, and he's nowhere near his ceiling. As much as I respect Jimmy Butler and admire his game, Jimmy Butler has reached his ceiling. He is a finished product. He's as good as he's ever going to be. And if we're keeping it 100, Jimmy Butler is not that guy. He's a really good guy, but he's the guy that plays beside the guy. If you're talking about championships, Jimmy Butler's not a franchise player. He's been the best player on the team, but he wasn't a franchise player. I think Jimmy Butler on a title winning team is a number two. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's opportunities out there for him to go to places like that in free agency next season. The question is, will the Timberwolves wait all the way up to the trade deadline to make a decision? I think Jimmy Butler and his agent are trying to force the issue. I think for Thibodeau's sake and for the rest of the team in terms of chemistry and direction, they need to resolve this before the season starts. Remember, NBA preseason is right around the corner. And if you're not going to commit to melding Butler with Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins, then you need to amend that and make that decision right now for the sake of your franchise. Guys, I know I'm backed up on the Facebook responses and I'm going to catch up. I know we're like two Mondays behind, maybe even three Mondays behind, but I will catch up. You know how this goes when we're trying to develop this, when you're trying to put out this content and you have to gather in and factor in real life and other situations that come up. Not to mention being on the same page with H and the crew. What I'm going to do is, what I had done early on is, if we can't all come on at the same time, no matter what, then I'll come on. 
this is a growing process, but it's the process that I enjoy. And I love the fact that I'm getting all the responses from Facebook. I'm not going to lose any sleep on whether or not you guys use the voice message part on, um, on Anchor. Again, shout out to Anchor and all the crew. But what I will promise is I'm going to get caught up on your responses. I'm going to respond to those and we can get into a lot of the topics that I had put out over the last couple of weeks. Later on today, I am going to pick up where we left off on Sports Illustrated's Top 100. We're going to go ahead and finish our critique of their top 100 NBA players. We left off at number 30. That's DeMar DeRozan. This is the cipher. Next time.